Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome, everyone, for another Real Film Nerds Podcast. We are over the hump of 250 episodes. We are now at episode number 251. This is what we like to refer to as a legacy cast. So this is a classic film that is not available in the theaters. What we mean by classic is just basically something that's not in the theaters. And it's not on streaming. Or it didn't debut on streaming. So today we're talking about the 1983 Oscar-nominated film Trading Places. With me as always, my good buddy lying face down on the floor because that's where he belongs mysterious mike talent hey everybody um yeah i'm excited to talk about this one man it's been a while since i've seen this one and I, it was fun to watch it again well mike it was your pick so i hope you're excited to talk about it because why would you pick a movie that you are not excited to talk about unless it's a new release that you haven't seen yeah that makes sense it does Okay, Mike, so uh, let's go ahead and on with the show, give us, the listeners and myself, the rundown for Trading Places. Okay, so Trading Places was directed by John Landis. It's written by Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingard. And this movie's starring Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Ralph Bellamy, uh, Don Emeche. And this movie is about a snobbish investor and a, a wily street con artist find their positions reversed as part of a bet by two callous millionaires. Nice, Mike. Those were some complicated words and you got through them. Good job. Yeah. You know, sometimes I can read. I will never accuse you of that. <laughs> That's true. You won't. Spelling? No, that's even worse. So, all right, Mike. Uh, here we are, Trading Places. This movie is literally almost as old as both of us. You got it by a year. I have it by two years. What's your first thoughts of Trading Places that you picked and have seen many times over? Uh, my first thoughts were, I, I don't know if they could make this today this movie because of the way that some of the things were done. But I guess if you just change some of the things to make it more PC, I guess you could make it again. Uh, it's kind of a timeless classic. Uh, the story of just some rich guys kind of mess around with people. Like, I don't know. I thought it, it ages pretty well. Uh, it's still pretty funny. I mean, it's interesting to see some of the eighties, like styles and things and some of the ridiculousness of, uh, the wealthy uh, dukes in this and, and all the people they employ, but it was uh, it was fun to watch it again. It's still good. Mike, I really enjoyed this movie. And just like you, that was actually one of the first things we talked about on the radio was, or I brought up, is that there's no way in hell they would be able to make this movie today. People are way too sensitive. It is way too on the nose. Um, it is definitely timeless. Because uh, this movie is still very, very relevant today, and it's almost 40 years later. It's about you know the struggles between the rich and the poor, 
uh, the rich preying on the poor and how easily they can manipulate and control other people's lives. And that is very, very relevant today. Um, we're not going to get political at all about it, but it's still clearly going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. For sure. For sure. And this one, so it it was it was interesting to see it. I you know I hadn't seen it in a little while, and I had forgotten some of the more uh, interesting details of this movie. And like Eddie Murphy was awesome in this movie. He was he was great comic relief. And then Dan Aykroyd too, like just playing this very snobby person, getting kind of like disheveled and just broken. Like you can just see him falling apart. It, it was great. Like it was it was well acted and and it's it's serious to a point, but it's also it's you know it's not too serious. I don't know. Like it, I think it had a nice balance between funny and like super serious and and lightheartedness, but then certain times very serious. You know, so I like that about this movie. It's a comedy that teaches a lesson that you must invest in concentrated frozen orange juice. That's what I got out of it. Oh, right. Oh, commodities, Matt, right? Pork bellies, frozen orange juice, uh, silver gold, and what? Well, coffee, tea, uh, things that people, you know, consume, I guess, is is what the, the dukes were invested in. Wheat was another one. Wheat. Yes, wheat, bread. Uh, a nice little... Um, Oh gosh, what do they call it? Um, third, not third person. Damn it, I'm forgetting the thing. It, it's when it's when you know someone realizes the camera is there. Is when the Dukes are explaining to him what pork bellies are and how they use it to make bacon. You know, and like in a in a bacon lettuce and tomato sandwich, and Eddie Murphy looks at the camera, and it's just priceless. That's the only time it happens in the entire film. I think John Landis left it in for a reason and it just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it was a really funny scene. Like, yeah, I know what bacon is. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, exactly. It was, it, was, it was like... It was uh, ridiculous. But It was no, ridiculous. It, this, is a, this is a fun, this is a great movie. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that... And that they do that you definitely cannot do today. I mean, you would be, you know paraded up and down the street you know rioted against i mean it's it crosses a lot of lines but uh you know maybe we should get an updated version of this the problem is i don't think it would be as good yeah it might not be uh it was interesting to see kind of the trading floor and stuff and i've always kind of wondered how some of that stuff worked especially back then and then now what it would be like are there even like people down there all getting all crazy or is it just like they on their like smartphone just like <laughs> like executing trades? I, I don't know. Like that was interesting in this movie um, uh, I, towards I, the I, end there. Honestly, I don't know how realistic that section is, Mike. I mean. No, it seemed kind of ridiculous, but it, it was yeah. fun. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was kind of funny, especially how they yelled it out and everybody just went nuts when Dan Aykroyd yelled out, you know, sell. And then he was like, oh, bye. And it's just, I don't know. It it was fun. Um, it was uh, definitely a little difficult seeing the World Trade Center, you know, because that's where the trade commodities are, at least in the film. So that was a little tough to see. I mean, they're there. Like, they're walking, like, right, you know, on the property, right in front of it, going in it, you know. 
But one thing I did have to say when you were talking about uh, Eddie Murphy, I, I really wish Eddie Murphy would do more adult risque comedy roles. He really hasn't done much anymore. He's really kind of jumped on his nutty professor bandwagon and just kind of kept riding that sucker out, you know? Yeah, didn't he do like Dr. Doolittle and like some other stuff? Um, I mean, he was great in Shrek, but I mean, I guess that's becoming pretty old now too. Well, that's the thing. He really jumped on that kid comedy film hard. Don't get me wrong. They're wonderful. Nutty Professor, the, at least the first one was a lot of fun. Shrek, an, again, another great one. But you don't see him doing adult comedy roles like this. You know, you just don't. And, uh, you know, the most recent one I can think of is he did Coming to America 2. You remember the sequel we reviewed on Amazon? Yes, yes. Uh, he did do that, yeah. Yeah, so that was probably his most recent adult. I, I'd like to see some more of that. That one was kind of not great. It was okay. But how, yeah, how interesting right. How interesting would it be if they did an updated version of this, have Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy be the Dukes? Oh, that would be funny. I mean, Eddie Murphy, as far as I can tell, doesn't age. But I think <laughs> no, he's he got, I, I think he's gotten a little bit older. I, I don't know. Like, this movie was in the 80s. It's 2020. I think he got a little older. Dude, he is just like Paul Rudd. Like, he's going backwards. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, man. He just doesn't he doesn't age. Lucky. I th- are you falling asleep, Mike? Are you looking at No, no. I'm not falling asleep. Not yet. Not yet. We've got important work to do here on the pod. And with that, Matt, I think it's time that I ask you, what are you drinking? <sighs> Thank you, kind sir, for your query. Today, I'm drinking a Big Blue Van. It is a wheat beer brewed with natural flavors by the College Street Brew House in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, I'm, brew- I'm drinking a, a, a van down by the river. Uh, no, not quite yet. You know, maybe that's I should go over there and suggest that to them, and then it can taste like government cheese. That would be a terrible beer. that would be a terrible beer well uh matt uh, today i am drinking a uh a yingling uh hershey porter dude i didn't even know they made those i only had that one yingling you know when i was over there in your neck of the woods i didn't even know they made a hershey porter that sounds delightful uh yeah they're they're both out of pennsylvania uh so i feel like it's a unite the the businesses from Pennsylvania, but it's funny. The labels all over the beer are like 21 plus 21 plus. Cause I think they were like, just in case someone was going to like see Hershey's and be like, Oh, that, that must be like a, just a, a milk drink or something. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of those beers that doesn't really make it past Texas is Yingling's. I've never seen them in New Mexico or California or Arizona, but I think you can get them as far as Texas. Yeah, well, I think it's it, I think it's the Mississippi River, man. I feel like that's you know the weird divider of the East and the West. I think that's one of the things it just gets it gets trapped over in the East. But dude, you can get them in Texas though, and that's past the Mississippi River. Oh, that's true. Maybe I I don't, I don't know then, man. I don't know. 
But like Texas has some beers like that you can't really, or well, you can get you can get some Shiner Box and stuff. But like in Texas, like that's like everywhere. Like that is like their drink. Oh yeah, dude, Shiner Box is the Texas state beer, definitely. It's a good brew though. I, I like my Shiner Box. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. You're right though. It's in Texas. All right, Mike. So it's time to ask this very important question. How does trading places relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, man, Matt, I was a little worried. You know, I picked this older movie and then like, am I going to be able to find uh, people that worked on this movie? And, you know, almost 40 years later, worked on uh, an MCU movie. And I sure did. Nice. Yeah. This time it is a um, Joe uh, Rochelle Roche. uh, He worked as a Foley artist on this movie and then in Avengers Endgame. What the hell is that? It has something to do with sound, sound department. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. Well, and that, you know, that's why when I say Oscar nominated film, that's what uh Trading Places was nominated for was their uh soundtrack, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah, when you said Oscar nominated, I didn't even know it was Oscar nominated. I was like, "Whoa." I just like throwing it out there cuz no one even thinks about that. Yeah, I'm trying to quickly scroll through IMDb for those who are listening to see if I can find exactly what it says. Oh, there it is. Uh, nominated for one Oscar. And it was Best Music, Original Song, Score, and its Adaptation or Best Adaptation Score. Okay. All right. It won a BAFTA for Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress and it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the BAFTA Awards. It was nominated for Best Motion Picture Comedy or Musical and Best Performance by an Actor in a Musical Picture Comedy or Musical for a Golden Globe or two Golden Globes. Wow. And then it won a award for Eddie Murphy for the Image Awards done by the NAACP for Outstanding Actor in a Motion Picture. Okay. Well, good job, Matt. Oh, you know, I, I, I keep forgetting to mention this, Matt. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in this, and uh, I guess she, she was fulfilling that classic uh, actress role of playing a hooker. A naked hooker on top of that. I mean, nothing like a good old 25-year-old naked Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, God, dude, why can't we just go back to the 80s when... You, literally, like even like kids' movies had titties in them. I, I just I missed that. Before there was PG thirteen, there was just PG. Nope, this is a solid hard R, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a hard R. Yep. Well, because I mean, you see a lot of a, a decent amount of boobies in this, so you know you have your desire of seeing flaccid penis. I'm all about the boobies. Okay. All right. Granted, that's that's true. Um, Matt, the, the this is a definitely R movie. There's a there's a part towards the end there where uh, was it Randolph Duke is having a heart a heart attack, 
and the other duke is uh like you know getting they're they're getting their wealth basically taken away from them because they messed up you know they they bet wrong in the commodities and he's like oh fuck him like your brother's having a, an issue <laughs> i was like man there were quite a few f-bombs in this too you know, I, it was just a different time. It was a different era, you know? I mean, this was when Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd were, you know, coming off of Saturday Night Live. They were still fairly young in the movie industry. Now they're, you know, veterans. It, it was just a different time. I mean, and there's lots of interesting little cameos. Like, there's a Jim Belushi cameo. Yeah, there is. Um, Yeah. I, I, I do wish Eddie Murphy would kind of start making some of these other movies. Like Beverly's Hill Cop was great. Oh, dude. Classic. So yeah, much coming, fun. Coming to America, which, I mean, they made a sequel. I mean, there there's, you know, for a while there, Eddie Murphy was making all kinds of movies. I don't, I don't know. He's just, maybe he's just, he's uh, had enough of it. Maybe he's tired of it. I don't know. 48 Hours. That's another good one. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's another good one. So, well, all right, Mike. Speaking about good movies, for those of you who like to listen to our pod, we just had a giveaway last week. And guess what? We have another one, Mike. All right, Matt. Why don't you tell us uh, about this one? Dude, this one looks really good. It's brought to us by Blumhouse, which I know you're a big fan of Blumhouse, Mike. They're known for their horror films. But uh, this film is available for digital on demand. You can buy or rent it. It is currently unrated. Uh, It's called American Refugee. And so here we go. Here's the business I got to read. The bunker thriller American Refugee is now available on digital and on demand. In the midst of societal collapse, the Taylor family's last chance at survival is a neighbor's bunker where their fate lies in the hands of the family patriarch. When tensions rise, who can really be trusted? Buy or rent American Refugee and watch it today. And again, it is unrated, and it is from our good friends over there at Paramount Pictures. So for those of you who want to enter our contest to win a copy of this film, go ahead and write us an email nerds at realfilmnerds.com or mike at realfilmnerds.com or matt at realfilmnerds.com and tell us your favorite Blumhouse film to date. Dude, that's a good one. I think that's a real good one, man. There's a lot of options out there. You know, Blumhouse has really taken off, man. They've they've made some good stuff. They really have. Yeah, I think... I think the story behind uh, Jason Blum was he was a producer of some movies and stuff, and he decided that he could go off on his own, and he started Blumhouse, and then started just with a few movies, and then just kind of killed it, and just kept making them. So he's he's targeted a lot of uh, horror movies because they're lower budget and stuff, and a little easier to get profit on, but yeah, so pretty impressive stuff i know man this looks like a pretty good one to me uh granted we just watched the trailer we don't get to watch the movie itself unless we pay for it but uh uh it stars erica alexander Derek luke sam trammell 
it, honestly, it looks interesting. It looks really interesting. It's post-apocalyptic, you know, world going on. People are living out of bunkers trying to survive. And uh, this definitely looks like a really fun, interesting thriller. So if you want to be entered to win one of the copies of this film, go ahead and shoot us that email. Mike, back to you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, Matt, um, we were discussing this a little bit before the show. I don't, uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to have a pod during Christmas week, but of course this coming week is, is the Spider-Man's right. So Spider-Man's just, we've got to really, uh, review the, what the biggest movie of the year. Is that what you're saying, Matt? Oh no, the best. I don't know if it'll be the best movie of the year, but it is definitely, in my opinion, probably going to be the best MCU movie. And I was, again, not to keep talking about the radio this morning, but a lot of the topics are crossover. But uh, I think if Spider-Man doesn't draw big numbers for the month of December, I don't know how much longer we're going to have movie theaters. Because Black Widow didn't do great. Eternals didn't do great. Shang-Chi did pretty well. But if Spider-Man, I don't think if Spider-Man does blockbuster numbers, I think the movie theaters are screwed, man. I, I, I don't mean to, you know, doom them, but I think that's what's coming. Uh, yeah, I know they've definitely had a hard time and uh, any kind of success in the in the movies, like a long-term success like the MC movies usually have would be great for them. I don't know if there's anything else that's going to bring a lot of people out I mean, the MCU movies really do uh, sell seats, and I don't know when Fast and the Furious Part 45 comes out, but uh, those movies also bring a lot of people out. Well, Mike, isn't it going to be Part 10, so it would be Part Deuce? Uh, Yeah, I guess it would be. Um, We are running out of keys on the keyboard, so they only have uh, two more, uh, or three more. So we have F10, F11, and F12. After that, I guess they just stopped making them. No, no. It'll be Hobbs and Shaw presents F13. (laughs) Oh, oh, nice. (laughs) Instead of Fast and Furious presents. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's funny. That'll work. That'll work. I like it. Yeah, well, I mean, The Rock could definitely use another 10 or 15 movies to make, you know, because why not? He doesn't, he's not that doing that much, you know, considering he just was in our Netflix movie, he was in Jungle Book, and he's just got, man, that guy's so busy. Dude's a slacker. He's practically retired. I mean, I don't know how he lives with himself being so young and being retired. No, Jesus, dude. Seriously, The Rock is in everything. Everything. Yes, he he's just always doing stuff. Although, you know one that I am looking forward to that he helped make happen is Black Adam. That's, oh, dude, that's going to be good. It it better be good, damn it. Well, yeah, and there there you go, another movie he's in. But that's like superhero rock, you know? That's, he he read Black Adam when he was growing up. He just, he loves that character. He begged to play it. He helped produce it. He's helping get it going. I mean, I really, I have really high hopes for that film. Let's see, Matt. What what else do we need to talk about? Uh, is that? I think we're coming to an end here. Well, what about the rich versus poor in this movie? 
Oh, yes. The rich versus poor. Yes. Um, Matt, did, did you like the amount that the bet was over? A dollar? Dude, that was absolutely ridiculous. But that's what's, that's what's funny about it. it. I mean, it's funny because it's comedy, but not funny, haha, but funny is I could totally see some billionaires doing that. I could see like Mark Zuckerberg and like Jeff Bezos being like, here you go. You won. And here's your dollar. You know, and just absolutely decimating like a country or a life or a company or some something that could never be turned back. I could totally see that. Yeah, man, it could happen for sure. That would be terrible, but, uh, you know, it could happen. Yeah, the rich versus poor. Uh, I mean, right now it seems like our our economies are you know the the haves and have nots become more and more have naughty and more and more haves so i don't know it seems like everything's just separating more and more and everybody's so i don't know up in arms well what's the what's the statistic i heard the other day it's something like five percent of the world's wealthiest people have like 90% of all money on earth or something like that. It's something ridiculous like that. I don't even remember what it is, but I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about it. And I was just like, man, that's absolutely insane. You know, that think about it, that individuals have more net worth than some countries on this planet. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Um, it it is it's weird to think about having so much money that you likely couldn't actually spend it all like if you tried i don't know i think you could probably try and buy a country that would cost a lot yeah i guess yeah um matt would you like to be the real estate agent for that yeah dude i would totally write up the contract to buy a country that's fine you know, yeah, the, like it's your commission, dude. The, the buyer inspection seller response is going to be a bitch, but I'll write it. I'll write it. It's going to be a lot of pages, <laughs> but I'll write it. <laughs> well, I mean, man, imagine your commission, man. It'd, it'd be, be, it'd be, it'd be healthy. All right. It'd be healthy. Yeah. Maybe I'll start, uh, instead of, uh, SpaceX or Blue Origin, I'll start, uh, you know, Green Space Origin X. <laughs> And then I'll go to space too. That's one thing, you know, not to keep going off topic, but it is the end of the pod and we tend to do this now at the end, hopefully. I like that we're getting like these advancements in like space and technology and stuff from these giant billionaires. But on the flip side, if they take a small portion of the money that they have left over and do something good with it, like what Bill Gates and Linda Gates are doing, imagine if all of well not all of them but a lot of the higher up ones did that how much better off you would be i I know they don't want to spend money on stuff like infrastructure and building homes and doing all that shit but helping the lower class your own kindness of your heart and for the greater good would be huge and it's not like they would notice like you were pointing out they literally have so much money that they can't spend it all so why not help someone that could really use it yeah, it's true, Matt. Um, I did see that. Uh, oh, I forget her name. Uh, 
Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, who got uh, quite a bit of uh, money from the Amazon divorce, or, or you know, divorcing Jeff Bezos, she uh, has a foundation where she's given away like all, pretty much all the money that she got, and they are having a hard time spending it all, like yearly, like. Like they have like a budget to, to burn and like they're having a hard time giving away the money fast enough. And like, it's a weird problem. Well, I, I can understand that to certain levels. Cause like you can't go and build like a hundred houses for people, you know, there's, there's rules and there's shit you have to do to do it right. And all those things. But that, that is a, that is a very strange problem, Mike, but I don't know, maybe they should loosen up a little bit on some of the regulations on these things when it comes to helping people and tax breaks and all that kind of shit for the people that they're giving the money to not the people that are handing it over you know they're i'm sure they're paying their fair share in taxes but i don't know who knows okay mike i'm gonna get us back on topic because uh we're kind of i'm kind of rambling here about stuff that we just don't know as much about you know volunteerism and billionaires and stuff anyways that's true that's true let's let's get it back let's reel it back let's talk about some movies yeah I, I'm Good just, stuff. just being generous and giving, especially this time of year. This is only when people do it. People need help year round. So I don't know. Sure. Now's the time to do it because the tax breaks, whatever. But all right, Mike. Okay. How many reels do you give trading places? All right. I'm going to give trading places four reels out of five. Wow, Mike, you and my mom, same, same score, same score. Well, I hate to say it, but I'm better than both of you. <laughs> I don't think you hate to say that at all. I think you like saying I that. love saying it. You're right. I, I give trading places four and a half reels out of five. Oh, man. Half a reel more than me. Okay. All right. It's because That's fine. this movie was great. Fantastic. Movie is great. It, it was a lot of fun watching it again, man. And, and it's kind of holiday, right? Like, it's kind of a Christmas movie. It takes place around Thanksgiving, Christmas time frame. It starts uh, right before Thanksgiving and it ends right after New Year's. So it's a wonderful holiday flick. Literally holidays because it goes multiple. Yes. Yes, definitely. All right. So for next week, I guess it was my pick, but I guess it really isn't because, you know, we have our, we have to do our duty for our listeners and review every single Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Next week, Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, and this is, uh, going to be Tom Holland's, uh, last foray, foray, or foray, foray into, uh, being, uh, Spider-Man, right? He's, he's been relieved of duty. I think he's the one that chose to step down, to be honest, but I don't know. I haven't looked into it enough because frankly, I don't care. I think he was probably the best Spider-Man we've had to date. Absolutely incredible Spider-Man. I'm sorry to see him go, but, uh. If he wants to expand his acting repertoire, I, I understand. But if he wants to keep going and keep doing Spider-Man, I'm okay with that too. Because like I said, I, I think he's probably the closest representation to Peter Park we've gotten to date. Yeah, he definitely brought, I think, the fun and young. I, I don't know. He, it, was, it was definitely the more, it was the Spider-Man I think that people wanted. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely going to try and get this one done next week. And then Mike, maybe we'll take the week after that off because you will be out of town doing holiday things. I will be out of town doing holiday things as well. 
not as long as you. I'm just going for a few days. But uh, yeah, so don't forget to enter our contest. Uh, go check out Spider-Man No Way Home. Hit the theaters. Spend some monies. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Do your thing. All right. Yeah. You know, uh, stream some movies. Definitely try and hit the theaters. Like Matt said, it could be the 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 death blow if they don't get some some more business for some of these theaters. And uh, you know, we'll catch you on the next pod. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie. Matt Hinshaw in studio with me this morning on Magic 99.1. How you doing there, Matt? Incredible. How are Incredible. you, Lisa? Incredible. <laughs> Why do I not believe you? I don't know. Why oh. wouldn't you believe me? I, I'm The words are coming out of my mouth. You, you it's just, usually truth. There's usually an undertone of sarcasm that I sense. Am I wrong? Does it burn? <laughs> A little bit. Okay, little bit. then, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> mission accomplished. All right. Well, I know you didn't go see West Side Story for us all because that's just not your type of movie, oh, I'm assuming. I can't stand musicals. I'll be honest. I can't stand them. I tried. Yeah. I tried. What's the uh, like, last I one you saw? Bought, do you remember? Yeah, I tried to watch La La Land. Uh-huh. I got about 15 minutes in, and I'm like, I can't do it, really? and I turned it off. Okay, and it won all kinds of awards. Right, and I just yeah, it was I good. couldn't do it. it was I a good couldn't movie. do it. I'm sorry. All right, all right. And the Ricardo movie, the Lucille Ball movie, that came out this weekend as well. Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will see how you think it about. Wasn't, it wasn't my choice. It wasn't your choice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we shall see what uh, you guys think or thought about those movies someday when you actually catch it you guys are reviewing an old movie this yeah. morning yeah. yeah well like like i talked about before we're we're trying to change things up because the numbers aren't reflecting super great when we review the same stuff everybody reviews wow good point so now we're going to review something that most people probably wouldn't review right that's uh the 1983 oscar nominated film trading places yes that was a great movie i remember that movie Tell us all what you think. Did you see it in the theaters? I did. Nice. Yeah, way back then. Yeah. Like two decades ago. <laughs> uh, Remind I me. I hate to tell you this. That's closer to four decades oh, ago. four decades ago. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I wasn't really doing the actual math, but what do you think about the movie? I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> it was good. change. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Trading Places. It's yeah. so good, and it's still very relevant today. Granted, it's dated very yeah. dated there's a lot of things they do in there that uh you know they would get sacrificed on a cross for today right but uh i i still loved it i think it's a great film it's well worth a watch it's uh satire to the max it's comedy to the max and it's all about class systems and race and uh finances and what happens when you switch someone and it's just Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd at the top of their game. They were just coming out of Saturday Night Live. Just They might have still been there in 83. I'm not sure, but phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal film. Right. Now, why haven't they remade it? They're remaking everything else. I don't know if they could get away with remaking well, that's it. That's true. what I'm afraid of. That's true. It's not very politically correct, is it? Correct. Right. Yes. I, yeah. I, I, I think and that's probably be... why you enjoyed it so much. Well, I, I just enjoy it because, I mean, it's it's an interesting you know, thought concept yeah you know what happens when you take someone that's dirt poor living on the street and flip it with a multi-millionaire that literally has a servant yeah yeah 
It's interesting. Right. I like the concept. Sure, sure. I I don't think it would work as a serious movie. It definitely has to be a comedy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I I would love for them to remake it, you know, but I don't think they would get away with it. No. If they did, they would really have to tone it down and it just wouldn't be It wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How many reels are you giving it? Uh, Like I said, I love it. I give it four and a half. Four and a half reels. Wow. Out of five. That is high. Yeah. I love it. It's a great film. It's classic 80s, you know, and uh, I talked about it a little bit on the pod last week, but um. Dan Aykroyd's performance in this Mm -hmm. is what sealed the deal for him to make Ghostbusters. Right. Because he wrote and starred in Ghostbusters. And a lot of people were very apprehensive because it is not the script that we know of Ghostbusters today. Sure. It was very weird. Okay. That's interesting. Something I didn't know. Yeah. Trading Places helped get Ghostbusters made. Right. Now, did you say Trading Places came out in 83? Yeah. Wasn't it 83? Okay. So, and when were you born? Are you sure you want to know this? I want to know. <laughs> I was born in 81. 81. Okay, there you so go. So I didn't see it in the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> no, and this is probably the first time you've ever seen it, right? Oh, no. Okay. No, I've watched it many times okay. over. No, my parents raised you me right. You heard about it. No, my parents raised me right. They they introduced me to a lot of 80s era films when I was, you know, yeah. middle school, high school age. Very good. Hey, speaking of your parents, let's give your mother a call. Ma Hinshaw. Going to review the same movie? Of course. Okay, coming up next on Magic. Good morning. Good morning, Ma Hinshaw, Lisa, and Matt calling on Magic 99.1. How are ya? Hi, guys. I'm fine. Oh, good. Hi, Mommy. Hi, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're looking forward to talking to you this morning and see uh, your, your thoughts. You're playing Katy Perry, which I just love her. Uh, well, she loves you too, Ma. Oh, <laughs> let it be known to all. You know her personally, yeah. right? <laughs> well, why wouldn't she love your mom? You know, everybody loves. We my love mom. her. Yeah, we love to hear what you think about movies. Tell us, uh, Trading Places. I know you loved it. I really did love it. I think Eddie Murphy is the most. I love his voice. Yes, and his laugh. Anyone love his voice? Yes, absolutely. And he was able to use some of the different voices that he has, you know, in in this movie, which was really fun, you know, and it probably was one of his first movies where he did that, I think. I don't know. But it was a great movie. And oh, um, Dan Aykroyd fit that part so good. Oh, my gosh. So I loved his kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, collegiate voice when he, you know, was first with his girlfriend and and she <laughs> she was so oh my goodness typical i guess i don't know well uh, you know what i saw this movie like 40 years ago my and shot so yeah i, I don't remember that. yeah i don't remember i mean i remember that i liked it that's about it how many cookies are you gonna give it oh hex um I don't want to go all out but i'll give it a four also a four okay man i gave it four and a half reels he really liked oh, it. Oh, did he? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, Matt said you also saw the new Pixar movie, Encanto. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. And oh, my what did goodness. you What did you think of Encanto? I uh, didn't really care for it okay. terribly much. I thought it was too long. If you took young kids, they would, you know, be a mess by the end of the movie. Uh, I thought it was beautiful, very pretty. But I, it just went on and on and on. Okay. And you know, I I had three kids, and uh, you take them to the movie, yeah. But I don't. 
I talked to other people who brought their grandkids, and their grandkids loved it. So I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe you're just a little too old for that movie now, Ma. Oh, no, no, I'm not. (laughs) Or did you sleep through the whole thing? (laughs) I went to Clifford, the big red dog, so don't tell me. Okay, I won't tell you. you Shame on me. Shame on me. Okay, Ma. be nice. As always, we love chatting with you. Thanks for reporting for us this morning on Magic. Thank you, Magic 99.1. She's got it. Have a good day. She's got it. Nailed it. What are you guys going to review next week? So next week, it's our fourth and hopefully final Marvel Cinematic Universe film of the year. (laughs) This one, honestly, if this one doesn't bring people back to the theater, I I think theaters are done. Okay, what's the name of it? It's the new Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay. Okay. I'll be anxious to hear what you... Think about the new Spider-Man. Yeah, it'll right. be good. Okay, everybody, check out the podcast. It's called The Real Film Nerds. Maddie, thanks for sitting in. No, thank you, Lisa. You're, You're the welcome. best. You're welcome. Thank you.